We're continuing uh, talking uh, through this series on uh, the, the idea of the, the illustrations that, uh, that are used in the Bible to, to reference the gospel, but through the, the metaphor of economics. Now, we, we typically think of the, the majority of like parables or whatever Jesus liked to use agriculture. I suppose that was a popular thing at the time, and, and a lot of us, but, but there are some, some stories throughout, and, uh, both Old and New Testaments, as we've, as we've seen, that have to do with economics. Uh, when I started to uh, finally work out of debt um, and build up a nest egg, which was difficult, we lived in Ukraine for some time, and my salary wasn't enough to really get much uh, extra, uh, we, we kind of lived uh, hand to mouth for a while. Uh, but when I finally had some, we, we started to figure out, you know, we probably should start working on retirement and, and investing. I didn't know a lot about investing. Uh, I knew a, a few ideas. I talked with, uh, with a preacher who kind of really strongly encouraged us to do that. And so we, we went in and we're talking, and, uh, and, and so we, we had a, a guy at Edward Jones, and he was talking. Uh, he said, you know, you need to diversify. You need to diversify. And I thought, well, diversify, what does that mean? Uh, it sounds like really good advice. Diversify. It sounds important and it sounds educated. And um, it's, it's really actually probably smart with real money. Right? Uh, the, the concept of diversify is that, you know, if you put all, as we say, all your eggs in one basket, uh, you could really find yourself worse off than if you hadn't invested at all. Uh, and, and so, so we, we put a little, okay, this is an, a, an aggressive fund. So I have a little bit of an aggressive fund. Uh, but, but, you know, your aggressive fund might set you back. You know what? You might have a year where you have negative growth for a little while. So, so you want something, you know, that, that's going to, you know, be, it's, it's not going to average as good, but, but it's pretty much going to always go up a little bit. So, so we hedge your bets a little bit. We call it hedging your bets. We do this all the time. Um, and and so, so we kind of leverage things to try to make sure we're safe. And this is an interesting thing that, that's... Um, True of humanity, and, and someone told me this long before I was talking ever about investing, but someone told me, and I don't even remember the con- te- context of the, the conversation, but they said, humans are interesting. They will give up the best possible outcome if it means avoiding the worst possible outcome. And that's the concept of diversification. If I put all my eggs in a really good basket, I'd be rich. But I'm kind of worried that I'll be broke. And I don't want to do that. So I'm going to kind of go somewhere in the middle. But see, diversification means the best I can do is the average of whatever's the outcomes of all of those things. The best I can do is the average. So there's no way I can get the best possible outcome. As I say, it works good with your money. Listen to your financial advisor if you have one. He knows more than you, unless you're a financial advisor. But it doesn't work good with the gospel. Unfortunately, spiritually, we do the same thing with the gospel. We're, we're afraid to risk things so often. We talked about 
And this is kind of an extension of what we talked last week. We talked about investment last week. And we talked about all those pearls and the things that we consider important. And we're going to kind of draw on that illustration a little bit. We talked about the jobs and all these things that we find friendships are important. And, and our wealth, investments, if you want to use it that way. Wealth sounds like it's a sinful word. Wealth. Your investments. Our reputation. These are our pearls. And so we, we hedge our bets. We, we avoid the worst possible. I don't want to be unholy. That would be the worst possible outcome. But, but I hedge my bets, and so I, I'll be good. That's kind of like in the middle. It doesn't really put all of these other pearls in an awkward position. What, what, what if I'm holy? That, that could... That could have negative effects in the world around me. That could affect my employment. That can affect all these other pearls, see. You too released a song in 1987. It's their most popular song. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. A lot of people don't understand that song. A lot of people don't understand that here's this rock group that, that is really famous the world over, that really almost all of their songs were a religious theme. And the whole song is talking about how, how he's, he's achieved all these things and, and, and all these spiritual things that he's found and he still hasn't found what he's looking for. And we do that so often. We, we've, we've come to Christ and, and all these things and yet we, we're still looking for other pearls. You found the pearl of great price and we're still looking for the little ones. And, and that happens so often to people. We, we, we looked at a very simple parable, that, that pearl of great price. And, and, and we looked at men who found that great treasure and immediately recognized what it was worth. And said, I'm giving it all up. But not everyone comes to that conclusion. Sometimes we come to it hard and over time. But we get conflicted. Oh, I'll acknowledge the death and resurrection of Christ intellectually, but it's sometimes difficult to be totally committed to that. I might even come to church and participate to some degree. I'll get involved in a ministry. We've done ministries and I've really been encouraged by the participation we've had. And it's a little easier to do when we're around each other, right? So-and-so's getting involved in Family Promise. And it, we, we get excited about that. Unfortunately, we've not been able to do that for most of this year. But it, it, when, when things happen, especially uh, when we had it here, there was like an excitement. Or VBSs when we were able to have those. And like all the things that we like used to be able to do. There's an excitement when we participate together. But then we kind of get out away from, from and we kind of feel isolated and it's a little difficult and so we diversify we hedge our bets I want to talk about the principle of return today we talked about investment and now here's kind of the end of that the principle of return turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 
As I say, it works good in your money. But our Bible doesn't advocate it for a principle in the administration of our gospel. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. He says, but this is what I say to you. He who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So let each of you give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, the immediate context is clearly talking about a financial uh, situation. Now, this whole book was, uh, and even some of, of 1 Corinthians, was around the topic of giving financial aid for the church in Jerusalem. And Paul was traveling to churches and, and saying, they have benefited you. They, they, they are the ones that supported this whole mission in the beginning and sent us out. Now they're in a hard spot. And it's time for you to kind of give back to them. They're being persecuted. They, they can't find employment. So you need to kind of help them out a little bit to show your appreciation for what they gave you. He's offering here a motivation to be generous. It has broader implications than financial. I'm just giving you the context. I think it's spiritually true across. It's just a general principle that he applies to this situation. He who sows much reaps much. And the opposite is true. Now, what is the nature of the return here? I don't know what he's intending. I don't know if he's saying, listen, if you give financial help, God can bless you financially. That, that can be a, a possible application of what he's talking about. I don't know. He might not even be referring to anything personal that you get. He might be simply saying, the more you give, the more God can do with it. That's a true principle. It's just a basic principle. But the immediate context relates a financial offering to a gift of some sort in return. And I believe it has more than just a financial. I believe anything that we have that's valuable to us, that is, that is offered to God, God says that is a commodity. And I can turn that commodity into something. But the more you give of it, the more I have to do something with. So let's look at a broader application. I, I can become satisfied and I, I can just offer just a, a little return. Right? I, I become increasingly dissatisfied in my life with how infrequently this baptistry has been used. For me personally. I have come very dissatisfied. It grieves me. I, it is, I think, to our collective shame, but it is especially to me. I don't know what happened, but we've lost the urgency of winning souls. We've hedged our bets in some place. I'm not sure where.
And it's not an individual judgment because I don't know what people do in each of their individual lives. It's, it's a collective observation. I, I don't know what people do individually. I just know that this is not used. And there are a lot of principles that we're going to look at that, or sub several principles that we're going to look at that, that say you can draw a straight line. And this is one of them. He who sows much reaps much. If we're not reaping much, I know that we're not sowing much. It's a clear business principle. When you go somewhere, if you get annoyed, like I do, everybody wants your email address. You ever notice? You go, it's like, I, I, I just want a hammer, man. <laughs> Why do you need my email address? Can I have your email address? And telephone. Because. It's a business principle. And there's a number attached to it somewhere. And I've heard the number and it's a long time ago. So I don't even know if it applies. The same number. For so many email addresses somebody gets, they will get a response. And for so many responses, they will get a new client. That's a fact. And advertisers bank on that number. They know the number. I'm telling you, the same is true with us. The more people we talk to, the more interactions we have in our lives, the more responses there are. And the more responses there are, the more chances that there's an interest. It is a fact. So I want to talk about the challenges of return a little bit. Because God does. Galatians chapter 6. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 6 verse 9. He says, Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. So he gives, first of all, the implication of time here in due season. And talk about the value of patience. Having invested, the first thing I did was go on the little page every day. How's it doing today? Am I ready to retire yet? You know, <laughs> no, still got a little bit more. In uh, forget what year it was, 2007. Oh, that was not a good year. I was like, that is going the wrong way. I put all this money in every month because it's automatically deducted, and it's going the wrong way. He says, in due time. In due time, you will reap. If you don't lose heart, let me tell you about the worst decision I ever made. No, not the worst. One of the worst. I was in the process of diversifying. 
So I had a little stock and I said, I'm going to buy silver. I bought silver around the third week of April 2011. That means nothing to you except that it's the second worst time in the history of the world to buy silver. That $49.50. I got a pile of scrap metal if you want. We get nervous. Got to do it now. Ah, right? And then we do it the other way. We're like, oh no, it's going down. I got to get rid of everything. Wait, we lose patience. If you invested $22 in Apple, or excuse me, if you invested, uh, I bought one share at $22 in, um, when it first opened up and kept it till now, you would have $14,000 if you did nothing to it. $14,000? Just to 22 bucks. <laughs> Patience. Can I go back in time? Don't get weary in doing good. It pays off. It pays off. You get frustrated at talking with somebody and they don't respond. And they don't respond. And they don't respond. God says, just have patience. That person might not ever respond. You have no idea what's happening. You don't understand where the return will come from. We're going to get into that. But I want to look at first Luke chapter 6 because there's another idea of the challenge of return. We look at the time, but, but there's another problem in this return. Luke chapter 6. I don't like this one. Luke 6, verse 38. It says, Give and it will be given to you. Good measure. I like that. That sounds good. Good measure. Good return. Pressed down. Shaken together and running over. Now, I want to draw on what we've talked about because he's talked about the idea that the way you reap is the way you sow and, those, and vice versa. The harvest comes directly from the way. So he's like, so given it will be given to you. This is, you get the return. If you want to have a press, press done, if you've ever cooked, and you, you, you have to pack brown sugar, right? You pack brown sugar. That means you can get a lot more in there than you think. You, you don't just scoop that. You just keep packing it in. And then you can get a ton of sugar in those things, right? That's what he's referencing. Pack it down. Pack it down. You get a lot of stuff in there. He's like, the more you pack, he's like, that's the way God gives to you. He's like, where does this keep coming from? It's running over. It, it's... But here's the idea. It takes pressure. He says, you want to you reap this wonderful thing, you're going to have to be pressed. You're going to have to be shaken a little bit. Right? You shake stuff. You know, contents may be less due to settling and all that. Right? That's what he's talking about. Settle it down, add more, and settle it down. And 
We have to be shaken sometimes. We have to be pressed sometimes. And that's inconvenient. A challenge of the return is that it takes difficult labor and it takes difficult work and sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it takes an emotional toll on us. There's ways, all sorts of ways that we are shaken and pressed. If we're independently wealthy, it makes a financial investment easy, but it's not always easy. When I have a lot of things on my schedule, it makes a finance or a, 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 a time investment hard. People's emotional issues take a toll on me. Like, you look at the phone and you're like, here we go. <laughs> I've been here. It's just, you know. Here we go. And God says, I give the appropriate return. Invest yourself when it's difficult. Let yourself be shaken together and I'll shake out a reward. Let yourself be pressed down and I'm going to press out a reward. And I want to talk about the absurdity of return. What do you mean? Ecclesiastes chapter 11. This makes no sense. These are two ideas that make no sense. In our world, they make no sense. <clears throat> Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Verse 1, cast your bread on the waters. Say what? Am I feeding ducks? Cast your bread on the waters and you will find it after many days. Give a serving to seven and to eight for you do not know what evil will be on the earth. Throw it away. Do you ever do that? Do you ever say... I don't think this is a wise expenditure, but we're going to do it. No, but we don't do that. Why would I throw my bread on the waters? He says, because it's illogical. God works in illogical ways. You'll find it. I'm just throwing my money away. I'm just throwing my time away here. What are we doing this for? God says, you'll find it after many days. You hear that? After many days. <laughs> You're not going to find it tomorrow. It's not coming back the day after tomorrow. It might not be back next week. You're going to find it after a lot of days. This is the absurdity of return. It's, it's, all, it's all faith. Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. <clears throat> Another absurdity. 
There's a longer parable and we're not going to read the whole parable. You know the parable probably pretty well. Jesus is given this agricultural, but it's financial. He talks about a sower and he talks about, or excuse me, not a sower. He talks about giving different people these different amounts and telling them to invest. He says, go invest it. And he gave this guy this much and he gives this guy this much and he gives some guy just one. Here, do something with it. So verse 20. He says, another came saying, Master, here is your mina, which I have kept and put away in a handkerchief. For I feared you because you are a strict man. You collect what you don't deposit. You reap what you don't sow. So he said to him, out of your own mouth I'm going to judge you, servant, because you knew that I was a strict man and you knew that I collect where I do not sow. Christ reaps where he doesn't sow. And we just read, hey, you sow a lot because that there's a direct correlation between what you sow and what you reap. This guy said, you know, I, I, <clears throat> I know that you, you get money when you don't even invest. That's, that's absurd. I've never gotten, like, this money coming at me. Like, I know you didn't invest, but here's a check in the mail. I don't get that. But God does. God gets that. <laughs> okay. I guess if you create the universe, you get to do that. But this man reached a logical conclusion. Since God can do that, he doesn't need me to invest. I'm just going to go. I don't want to lose it. What if I invest badly? Now I have nothing to give him, so I will give him back what he gave me. Now, in some cases, uh, this passage is translated, I believe the uh, parallel passage to this uses the word talent. And so for that reason, we immediately think this is referring to talents, which it is. Partially. Mostly we make that application simply because of their word for the money, talent, and our word for an ability, talent, is the same. We make that direct connection. But it has many more applications than that. It's financial. It's my time. It's all of those commodities that I have. And yes, my abilities as well. But it's talking about the return that we get for it. Imagine if this man had used what he had. Then a God who has the ability to reap where he doesn't sow could reap even more if you had sown. That's the idea. I've always struggled with this idea of reaping where you're not sowing. I, the, the spiritual application, I, I, I never got it. I was like... This seems to be a central idea in this parable, and I never really figured it out. I'm like, what does that have to do? I get the other guys who invested and got a return. That makes sense to me. I don't get the 
inclusion of this concept of a guy says, I know you to be a man who reaps where you do not sow. How does that affect me? What, what is the practical application of this? I, I, I labored over this for decades. I went through college. I never had a good explanation. We just kind of skimmed over this and we focus on the return. And we focus on not doing anything. Okay, that's a good point. I just, there's this one detail and I just... Uh. I came to a theory and I did what we do in scientific method. Develop a hypothesis and test it in the laboratory. Right? My idea <clears throat> was that if we do something, I might not see a return where I put it. And something might happen completely out of the blue somewhere else. I throw my bread out and it comes back. How did that happen? So I tested it. I've been testing it for eight weeks or so. And I hesitate to give this illustration, but I think it's important. There's something I haven't done since shortly after Bible college, probably around like 1998, 99. Remember door-to-door -door calling? That's old. That's what old people did. That's what, like, grandpa preachers did. That's out of style. People don't want that. People don't listen to that. People. <clears throat> the problem is, is that I'm aware that mom jeans made a comeback. So if that can happen, really anything can make a comeback. <laughs> So I started going door to door with the hypothesis that if I do something, I will see a return. We've had visitors in this church every week since I've done that. Now that is not to say, what a great boy am I? Because I want you to know that not a single one of those visitors is a person whose door I knocked on. I had nothing to do with it. It is God reaping where he hasn't sown. It's not how great I am. I, I, that, I want that to be clear. God says, do something and just get out of the way. <laughs> just do something and get out of the way. There's a basketball story. I don't tell too many sports stories because I know they annoy people. But it was, uh, I don't even know which, which year. I think it was the 83 and uh, it was the Celtics were in a, I think, the championship, I think, against the Lakers. 
and it was one of those buzzer beater games. It was incredible. And it came down to one of the games came down to the last second, and the Celtics were losing. And the coach, uh, Casey something or other, he was a horrible coach. And so he came over, and he was going to call the timeout. He was going to call a play. And Larry Bird said, here's the play. Pass me the ball and get out of the way. And they won. Give God the ball and get out of the way. Just do something. That's the idea. God gives the return. I, I planted, Apollos watered, and so what? God gave the increase. All of these ideas, you see, God talks about the absurdity of return is that, that it has nothing to do with me. It just has to do with doing something and letting God do what He does. The absurdity of being able to get a harvest where you haven't even planted anything. It makes no sense in our world. We do things like diversify. God says, no, do not diversify. You limit my return. You go all in so that I can get the best possible outcome. So as we close, I want to look at just a couple things. First of all, if we are not investing then that means there's something I'm afraid of. Right? You ever had capital, but you're afraid to invest? I have it. I'm afraid I'll lose it. I don't know. Do I get in now? What about now? What do I get into? There's too many choices. We're always afraid of things. We, the limiting choices in our lives are always from a fear. It will cost too much. It might not be successful. It might take too long. We can throw so many fears at something. What will people say? I don't know enough. And so we don't share what we have. We don't invest in people. And God, time and time and time again, offers guarantee after guarantee. Your bread will come back. Those who sow much will reap much. Every one of these statements is a guarantee. There's no ambiguity. There's no, you will Receive, press down, shake. There's no, I might, I might not. Every time he offers a guarantee and asks us to be liberal givers. Give something that's important to you. Identify what's important to you. What's your precious commodity? Identify what you have little of. And give it to God. Then wait a little bit. Or a lot of it. And I 
ask you to know and watch and you will see it come back on the waters.